This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Another week, another episode of the A-List podcast. I'm Kwani A. Lunis, joined by, as always, Aisha Blakely and Gary Washburn. Welcome to another week. A lot to talk about now that the regular season's over. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, y'all doing Let's good? Let's get it, Kwani. Come on. Let's get it. So they ended their season with a win over Memphis. First reaction to that regular season finale. They handled their business. They did what they needed to do. But as much as you can feel good about the way they handled their business against Memphis, I don't care about Memphis. I'm all about the playoffs. I'm all about Brooklyn. I'm all about Kyrie, KD, Bruce Brown. Mm -hmm. Bring them. Let's go. Well, the players did have some comments after that game and as we head into this postseason, as you mentioned, Al Horford actually had some thoughts. Here's what he had to say. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, you know, we it, it's about us this time of year. Um, it's, it's how we've been playing. It's the things that we need to do. Um, our identity defensively, um, on offense, playing at our pace, how we want. So um, it's about us. So this seems to be a mantra in the locker room, I think, when you listen to what Peyton Pritchard had to say. We'll get to that sound in a second. But what was your reaction to Al's thoughts? Go ahead, G. Well, um, you know, I do think that they're ready. I do think that it's been about them. I don't think that they're scared of Brooklyn. And I think that it's the right way to end the season. Uh, I think they wanted to play the right way. They wanted to finish the right way. And I think the way they played the last two games, even, you know, like, even though they rested Al and Tatum against Milwaukee and playing them, but playing the Bucks really hard down to the final minutes, a game they probably should have won, but they didn't score for the last two and a half minutes, um, you know, and that would have given them, you know, and, and still would have been the same thing, the second seed because, you know, but, uh, you know, they came back and beat, beat Memphis you know, beat the second and third team in Memphis and D-League guys and stuff, but they were able to take care of business. And now it's about them. You know, it's, are you healthy? Yes. Are you playing your best basketball at the best point of the season? Yes. Like you checked all the boxes. They didn't, they didn't have any, you know, last year when Jalen had that wrist injury and Kimball wasn't quite right, et cetera, et cetera. Like this year, besides Robert, everybody's healthy. Robert's recovering. So, I think as, as Al's right, like it's all about the Celtics. It's all about them. They're in a really good place right now. And probably the best place they've been for postseason since the big three. Because if you remember, you know, the two runs of the Eastern Conference Finals, there was, there was, you know, injuries involved. Isaiah in 17, you know, uh, Kyrie in 18 and, and, and Gordon in 18 and, and that type of thing. So, you know, they have had injuries throughout the postseason, uh, you know, for years. And this is as healthy, even though Robert Williams is out, uh, it's a big part. But the fact that Brown and Tatum and Smart and Gorford and, you know, are all ready and feeling good, that says it's positive for the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, usually when we get to the playoffs and, and this team, there, there's always this, like, specter in the room, like, they could do this, but this is a problem. And I don't feel that way. I mean, obviously, Robert Williams, that's a big part of what this team is about. But 
if you look at the calendar, there's potential that Rob could be back for like game six if he is returning at the earliest possible time. And if you can get him back, frankly, I'm not convinced this thing is going to go six. I think the Celtics might be able to wrap this thing up in five. Um, but six is is realistic. It's six is probably the, the safe money bet to make on this series. But I just think the Celtics are in a place now where they're looking at Brooklyn and they're thinking like, y'all really not all that. I mean, if you think about this Brooklyn team defensively, if Brooklyn, if you don't score 120 points against Brooklyn, there's something wrong with your offense because you're going to get plenty of opportunities to put up those numbers because this they are at, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the postseason that we're looking at. And as great as Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant are, I mean, those guys can go out there and get you 80 points between them, and they can still catch a double-digit loss. Would not surprise me. Uh, they're that inept. And, you know, and, and, you know, one of their key players, a guy that we love and especially in our hearts, Mr. Mr. Bobby, um, he probably should not have talked about how wide open things are on that line, that back line defensively for the Celtics with Robert Williams not oh, being there. You're talking Bruce about, Bowen. okay, not, sorry. I was not talking. Bruce Brown, excuse me, Bruce Brown. Okay. Bruce, Bruce Bone was a Bobby really Brown? good defender. <laughs> Bobby Brown? Did they sign Bruce Bowen to a 10-day? <laughs> Bobby no, Brown from I, Boston, too, though. I mean, that's true. Was, that's the connection he was trying to make. Like, We're what? talking about the other B2B. The other like, B2B. Did Bobby Brown say something? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Bobby, Bobby in more trouble now? I can't stop. Bobby you know how, it, Don't put that on Bobby. Right. Bobby, Bobby didn't even do that. He just minded his business. Bobby, Bobby is minding his business all for Bobby about All Bobby want to do is just rock with you all night long. That's all Bobby want to do. He's going to rock with you all night long. That's yeah. It's his, it's his prerogative. It's his prerogative. So anyway. Yeah. Before we get to Brown's comments, though, I think we should listen to what Peyton Pritchard had to say. Spoiler alert, before they found out that they were going to play the Nets. You know, I think because we're not trying to dodge anybody, we believe in ourselves. So go in and whoever we play, we're, we're going to be ready. No, 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 whoever we play, we play. Ready for, we'll be ready. All right, so we already know that they are going to match up against the Nets, but as you alluded to, Sherrod, be careful what you wish for. Did he even need to say that, do you think? He didn't, but the way that he was speaking about it, there was a little, like, little edge to it. He was just like, yeah. anybody. Like, like he was ready to put on the a, on a, on a, on a high tops and go out and ball, like, right after the press conference. I like that. He is one of many Celtics who are in a in tremendously great place right now, not only with their game on the court, but also the mental game. Peyton Pritchard has always had confidence in, in himself, and he, he's made no secret about that. But there's a difference in him now that is a little bit scary if you're playing him. Like, he's playing with that this irrational confidence that if you're going to play a team and you're going to match up with Kyrie Irving, you're going to need to have that in order to hold your own. Brooklyn, yeah. they're a good team. There's no question about it when you've got two players as dynamic as KD and Kyrie in the building. But that team is flawed. And in the playoffs, more than anything else, it exposes you for better or for worse. What you're great at, we're going to find out. What you're not great at, it will be exposed. And as I mentioned earlier, the fact that there's a, there's a decent chance that Rob Williams can be back for this series because, again, the timeline is clear that after four weeks, that's like right before game six of the series. So it's not that out of the realm of possibility for him to pop back in and, and play a limited role. Uh, because uh, again, 
I just think that if you're the Celtics, you're going to need all hands on deck to put these guys away. Uh, and then certainly if you're able to get Rob back, even if it's for a game or two, even if it's like 15, 20 minutes in a game, that is going to have an impact on your team. Well, you alluded to Bruce Brown's comments and KD actually has Bobby teammate, Brown, Bruce Brown. Or Bobby Brown, depending on how you're feeling. I yeah. fell from Boston, the Boston dude. The Boston BDB. Dude. So here's what Bo- Bo- I was about to say, Bobby. Here's what Look Bruce and BDB. KD. <laughs> and here's also KD's response to his teammate. What do you think the biggest key is to slowing the Celtics down? Um, I mean, I mean, we can't let Tatum get 50. Uh, we got to be physical with them. Now they don't have Robert Williams, so um, they have less of a presence in the paint. Uh, and we, we could attack Al Horford and, and Tice. Uh, so them not having Robert, Robert Williams is huge. What did he say? All right, man. That's caffeine probably talking. Take some before the game. They got... <laughs> Them two dudes, you can do the same stuff. It ain't gonna be that easy, I tell you that. I know you're um, maybe half joking with the Bruce comment, but just when you come in, that bothers you why, that comment? I mean, we respect our opponents. It's like, we don't need to talk about, you know, what we gonna do to them. Like, I just don't like that, you know? Um, but that's just how Bruce is, you know, he comes in and, he says that, you know, he keeps the same energy throughout the whole season. So, but yeah, like, no need to say shit like that. Let's just go out there and hope. So this was interesting because it, it's clear that there are two people in the same locker group that have different mentalities. Like you mentioned with Peyton Pritchard coming mentally at the game from the Celtics end of the court. And then you have Bruce Brown. He has that similar mentality of not necessarily talking trash, but feeling as though he needs to put the Celtics on notice of course, Katie had the opposite mentality of saying, let's let's chill. They're still a good team. Yeah. Like, let's recognize game for what it is. So what do you think the Nets are? How are they going to enter into this playoffs series against the Celtics, really? You got it, G. Well, I think this, the Nets are a very confident bunch. Um, mm-hmm. You have two of the top, you know, players in the world and Kyrie and Durant. So that gives you confidence. And I think they get along. The guys have their roles. I mean, Bruce Brown is that kind of like wild card Swiss Army knife guy who def- defends. He can hit the occasional three. He slashes to the basket. He can dive into the paint, make a little floater. So he has really expanded his game. That's helped. Um, you've got the two premium shooters in Patty Mills, who's been up and down this year, and Seth Curry, who's fighting an ankle injury. Then you got the big man in the middle, Andre Drummond, who's playing like he did, he was with the Pistons, where he was a real factor. The game kind of pushed him aside for a couple of years, where it was like, well, you know, he gets all these empty stats, he doesn't really defend, and all. And you know, he's not a great defender, but he's still a factor in the paint, and he's getting more playing time. And so, I think that they're a solid ball club, and so I think they're entering this this series with a load of confidence, knowing that they feel like they can play with the Celtics. And if you look at the game a couple of months, a month ago or whatever, um, you know, in Boston, it was only 126-120 and Tatum needed 54 points. So I think they look and say, listen, we tighten up our defense on Tatum. There's no Robert Williams. 
we can play toe-to-toe with these guys. I don't, I think the Nets know that they're a flawed team. They know they're not a great defensive team. Um, you know, so I think the Celtics are just gonna have to play, obviously, you know, very sound basketball. I mean, I was at the game against the Cavaliers. Cavaliers had 20, 30 chances to win this game. I mean, they just couldn't hit a shot. Um, if I'm looking here, the, the quartet of Okoro, Markinen, Levert, and Jetty Osman were nine for 33. Like they just could not hit open shots. I mean, Markinen was five for 14. Levert, who was supposed to be the guy that like their hired gun to help out Darius Garland was four for 12. Like, and these were not contested. Like this was not great Nets defense. This was missing shots, missing layups, missing floaters. So if the Celtics are, can, can, can play efficiently on the offensive side of the ball, um, I think they have every reason to think they win the series. But I think the Nets feel like, listen, we still won in Boston. We bring it back home. You know, we play well at home. Kyrie is now comfortable at home. You know, he comes back to his home fans, a great environment. They feel like they can win the, game, the series in six. So uh, the Suns are going to have to fight hard. I mean, this is what they asked for. They could have played Toronto. They won. The Chicago thing wasn't going to happen. Um, they missed out on the number one seed because, if I, you know, Cleveland does not look like they're going to give Miami or whoever comes out is going to give Miami any, you know, especially Cleveland. Cleveland just looks like they're done. They're just tired. Um you know, but yet they had a chance to beat the Nets. The Nets scored 40 points in the first quarter, 65 the rest of the way. And they there was time they just lost interest in the game. Like they were just like, come on back, rally on us, Cleveland, rally. They're up 22. Cleveland cut it to six and had an open three, missed it, which could have made things real interesting. So if you're the, if you're the Celtics, you're looking at that game. And I obviously, I look at it. You know, obviously seen the Celtics all year, but also look at the Nets. The Nets did not just stomp Cleveland. And as Barkley said on like, that's an average team. And the Nets needed like two consecutive, you know, consecutive uh, KD jumpers in the last two minutes to kind of seal it. Like they needed KD to be like, all right, damn, I was hoping to get a rest. Let me get him off this bench, hit a couple 17 footers in your face. Okay, we done. We good. Okay, guys. Like, you know, Katie's 33, right? Kyrie's 20, 30. So these guys aren't, you know, they got they got miles on. Can they carry this team through a seven-game series with a bunch of young guys? But they think they can. And I think with Bruce Brown showed, shoot, they ain't got Robert Williams. We, you know, we Tice, Tice gonna enter the game with two damn fouls. So, you know, we think we can score on Tice and Horford. So, yeah, like we got confidence. He basically said it. Now, I think he may was going to come with some uh, game plans to accentuate that, to bring Drummond away from the basket. Claxton, they, they kind of they've neutralized him over the years. So uh, but the Nets feel like we can win this series in six. I am glad they feel that way. But I mean, the eye test tells me differently. Uh, their defense is putrid, point blank. It is absolute trash. Um, Monday through Sunday, not even no days off. 
for that defense. And that's to me, that's what this really comes down to. I mean, the Celtics literally have to just be average offensively and play the way that they've been playing for the last two weeks. And they win this thing in five or six games. That, that Brooklyn defense is, we knew that they weren't very good, but no one thought they were this bad. Uh, I mean, 120 points should be like an average game against them defensively. And, and for the Celtics, the, the problem that, that Bruce is not Bruce Brown doesn't really acknowledge is that the Celtics perimeter defenders do a pretty good job of making sure your ass don't get to the paint. And so as much as you love the idea of not having to deal with Robert Williams, roaming the paint, you got to get there first. Uh, and Marcus Smart, Derek White, and and Peyton Pritchard, who I, I, I've i been pleasantly surprised at how scrappy he's been defensively. He ain't locking nobody up, but he's done a pretty good job of keeping his body between you, the ball handler, and the rim. And that's all you want. That's all you can expect. And he's been low-key, a surprisingly good offensive rebounder. I don't know how the hell he does that. I mean, he's literally the littlest dude on the court, and, the, and somehow multiple offensive rebounds wind up in his damn hands. So... I am less confident that Brooklyn can get it together offensively against the Celtics defense uh, and very confident and very bullish on on Boston's offense, having their way against a team that is just not there defensively. I mean, as as Gary pointed out, I mean, if Cleveland didn't miss so many damn easy shots, they win that game. They win that game probably by double digits. And Kevin Durant can, and that's the thing about this Brooklyn team that's a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. Kevin Durant can play well, Kyrie can play well, and they can still lose by double digits. No one will be shocked if that happens. And that, to me, is the scary part. If you're Brooklyn, that you don't want to admit that even when you play your best, if they're playing their best, you're going to lose. Point blank. Here's the thing. um, Very fascinating stat from last night's game. Very, very, very fascinating. We'll be the judge okay. of that, Gary Washburn. Yeah, let us hear it. Let us hear it. <laughs> okay, very, fast, very, 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 very fascinating stat. You're going to love this one. Y'all going to love this one. Let me, let, me, let me show you. Y'all going to love okay. this. Of the 24 baskets scored by players other than Durant and Irving, 23 of those were assisted by Durant or Irving. Okay? They combined for 23 of the team's 33, ass- 33 assists. Okay, so most in Bruce Brown had eight. So basically, Durant and Irving are playmakers and they're setting up their uh, teammates with buckets. Now, that's a good thing and a bad thing that they're not only relying on Irving and Durant for points, they're also relying for them to be playmakers. That's a lot of responsibility. Okay, Seth Curry went 0 for 4 in 34 minutes. He's not healthy. Okay. Now, will four days off, and will he be ready? I fully expect him to be ready for game one in terms of, like, ready to hit some threes because he's always played well against the Celtics. But if you look at this bench, they played nine deep. Kessler Edwards literally is there, I would say, Romeo Langford from last year, okay? He took five shots, missed all five in eight minutes. They're playing eight players, basically. Claxton played 29 minutes, had a nice game, 13 and nine, but he was a minus two. Okay. Dragic played 10 minutes. He's coming off COVID. Patty Mills played 17 minutes. Like they are really, really, really relying on Irving and, and, and Durant. Like really a whole bunch. Drummond only played 19 minutes. He had 16 points, eight rebounds, 
But obviously, Steve Nash saw something where it's like, I can't have this dude in the game. He played, he played Claxton the other center minutes. Claxton was a minus two. So to me, they have to stop not only Durant and Irving as scorers, but playmakers. Like, don't let them go for KD at 25 points, 11 assists. Irving, 34 points, 12 assists. Like, that's, that's, you got to give up. You can give up one. You can't give up both. Yeah. Right? You can't, you can't let them go for 59 points and 23 assists. Like, that's a recipe for defeat. Okay? Um, because they're setting up their teammates. But it is a lot. Can they do that for seven games? Can that they do that deep right. into a series? That's a, that's the fascinating question. Okay? Because without Curry, and then Mills has been real streaky, you know, He's not been the Patty Mills that we've seen over the years uh, quite this year. You know, Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown had a very good game, guys. He took 19 shots. He was eight for 19. Bruce Brown wasn't that good. Bruce Brown took more shots than KD and Irving. Okay. So I'm just looking, I'm just examining. This is the Brooklyn that we know because the game a month ago, you know, you can go off that, but. That, that was a that was the only real game, the one in Boston, you can kind of go off and say, okay, that's Brooklyn. But they, are, they had James Johnson. They, they were playing LaMarcus Aldridge. They were playing a little bit of Blake Griffin. James Johnson gone. Aldridge did not play last night, neither did Blake Griffin. they just cheerleaders now. This is the nine, Claxton, Edwards, Drogic, and Mills, in addition to the starters that, that they're going with. So, and who knows? Steve Nash can pull out a wrinkle. But I just think that if you, if Durant and Irving become scorers and playmakers in the same game, that's bad news for the Celtics. Make them both scores, or they've got to take it one on one. Don't let them twenty three assists for them on their on forty five made baskets for the team. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, and that's great production from those guys, but you don't, you can't have them do both if you're the Celtics. Another factor that we should consider is the fact that Kyrie Irvin is practicing fasting for Ramadan. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily affecting his game. Like you mentioned, he was still able to drop that double double, but I think it's something to consider. And I believe Jalen Brown might be as well. So I think just like that off the court aspect is definitely something to consider when you think about the performance of this team and how they're going to physically be able to show up. But to your point, if they can't score, on a daily, a nightly basis, then that's all Brooklyn has. What would you say is, I know you mentioned the concern, but what would you to say is something that you are scared of, so to speak, for the Celtics though, despite the weaknesses that the Nets have? My biggest fear is Tatum not being healthy. I, mm -hmm. I think as long as Tatum is able to play the way he is capable of and, and focus on doing, I don't see how they lose this series. Uh, he's that good. He's elevated to that level of superstardom. And he is a major matchup problem for them. Because, you know, when they go small and they go like those three-guard lineups, somebody got a matchup with Jalen Brown. Somebody got a matchup with Tayton. And nine times out of ten, that's the player that the Celtics are going to go to because that'll be the mismatch. And so I just think that the Celtics have too many ways to counter whatever the Brooklyn Nets are doing that's working. The only thing that Brooklyn has working for them is, is Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, who are both amazing players and can absolutely 
put a team on their back and, and carry them to victory. But I just think the gap in overall talent that Boston has as a whole over Brooklyn is too much of a gulf exists for Brooklyn to overcome that and get this series. I just, I just don't see it happening. Uh, my biggest concern is the Celtics get into a kind of a shooting match with these guys. And then they got one of those games where they're, they're like eight for 42 for the three point line. You know, I mean, that's going to happen. It could happen. Right. Like, They've got to hit threes. Peyton's got to hit threes. Like, they've got to be efficient offensively because Brooklyn is going to score. When you have two prolific scores, guys who can get to the free throw line, guys, I mean, Irving hit his first 12 shots uh, against Cleveland. You know, Durant had 25 in a light night. It was 16. He only hit, he only took two threes. Um, you know, so that's, they combined for 59 points. Like, they're going to put up numbers and Irving is going to be motivated to play in Boston. He is healthy and probably the first time he's entered a postseason. and last year he sprained his ankle, but he's completely apparently healthy. He's drama free. He can play without being vaccinated. So now he can just concentrate on ball. Durant is always going to be a problem. He's a, one of the great scores that the game has ever seen. So my fear, if you're the Celtic, is missing, like, having one of those nights where they shoot 39% or 36%, and then having to either rally to come back or they're relying on three ball too much or Tatum gets into this, like, oh, you going to do that, KD? Okay, I got you here. I'm going to take this step back three against three defenders. Like, none of that. Pass the ball, make the right play. And I think the new EMA system, the – this is the first playoff series under Udoka. I don't think they're going to go through some of the bad habits they did in previous playoff series. But my biggest fear is they come up in two, they come out a little flat for game one and lose game one. And suddenly Brooklyn's like, oh, we got, we got home court advantage. It's our series. They're going to have to win maybe two games in Brooklyn to take this. Like, you got to punch first. Like, punch first. And they're going to be hard to knock out because you got Durant and Irving, both of them dudes coming with motivation. Durant is coming with, I'm still the best MF on the, on the earth. And I know Jason Tatum is good and all that, but he's a youngin. I'm still the man. Irving is like, I want to show Boston what they missing. I'm, I'm mad for whatever reason, you know, I'm mad at Boston. Uh, you know, they, they, they criticize me because I've just made a decision for my family, whatever rationale Kyrie has, because it's always going to be, He's not going to come out uh, the, the guilty one in this. He's always going to be like, it was y'all. It was something else. It wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't it me. Was it yes. wasn't me. It wasn't me. So he's going to have motivation. You play two real motivated all-time great players. That's always a dangerous combination. Is Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum going to step up to the table? Is Jalen Brown ready to take over the fourth quarter when they're blitzing Jason? Are other guys ready to hit shots? Is Derek White ready to step up in his first real playoff series? You know, like he's been in the playoffs before, but I'm talking about like not you know you you're not the eight playing the one. I'm talking about you are a, a cog on a, a a contender. Is he ready? Is Peyton ready? Is Naren Neesmith ready to give him a couple minutes here and there? Is Tyson Horford ready? Like, are they ready for this? Um, that's my biggest concern that they get caught slipping 
one of these games and suddenly they're behind in the series and now they got a must win or they got to win two in Brooklyn. And to, to, I'm not saying they're capable, but they can make this a difficult series if they're flat. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's and that's the thing that they have to be so on guard for is, is to make sure that they come out with the right focus and energy and attention to detail that they're going to need in this series. Because, uh, again, if they simply do the job that they're capable of doing, this series doesn't go five, maybe six games, uh, but definitely not seven. And I think that they will come out and do handle their business. I, I just think as motivated as they are, and, and I'm talking about KD and I'm talking about Kyrie, the Celtics got something to prove too. Uh, I, I think Tatum, particularly when you think back to how last year ended uh, and, and with some of the things that he was able to do and not able to do in the playoffs, Tatum is without question motivated to, to bounce back this year. Same thing with Jalen Brown. You know, last year was the first time in Tatum's career where he didn't get out of the first round. And I think, Gary, I think you asked him about that in a post-game press conference uh, if he was pissed about it. And he made it pretty clear. Yeah, hell, he was pissed about it. So they're going to be... I think the Celtics very locked in and focused. And, and again, I, I think the safe money is to go with this, the Celtics in six, but my spidey sense is telling me that they may wrap this thing up in five. Well, another way to make some safe money, speaking of betting, <laughs> oh. online AG, of course, they're our partners and they're your number one source when it comes to all your betting needs. As Sherrod mentioned, the playoffs are here. We have baseball coming back. Well, baseball is actually back. Hopefully you're watching some games. The Red Sox season opener, home opener is on Friday. So that should be a fun one. But of course, if you haven't used our promo code already, CLNS50, that's the perfect way to sign up, dabble into the betting game and see where you could win. So of course, use that promo code for that welcome bonus for your first deposit. Bet online, they are where the games start. We talked about Robert Williams a little bit earlier and Woj reportedly just said that he thinks that there is a very high possibility of Robert Williams returning for this net series. And as Gary mentioned, they shouldn't bet on that because they still will have to be able to get to even a series that long. But if Robert Williams does return, Woj also mentioned that he's hit all these benchmarks that he's needed to so far. Game six would actually fall on the exact month of when he had that meniscus surgery. So again, the possibility is high. Should the Celtics even be thinking about that or should they just wait to potentially get to the second round? Look, if he's able to roll out there and do Rob Williams type things, damn it, you put him out there. You can't, you cannot, tomorrow was not promised. You got to take care of business today to get to tomorrow. You okay. can't assume that you just, well, since we up three, two, we're good, Rob. You just sit back and drink some Mai Tais and chill on that bench and we got <laughs> this. We got, no, hell no. We need to get you out there doing what you do. And, and, and I think they will. I, I, and again, when you look at the timetable, Rob coming back in the first near the end of the series is about the earliest he could theoretically come back uh, based upon the initial timeline the Celtics gave us. And, and so it's no shock that he's hitting a lot of the benchmarks that he's supposed to in, in terms of recovering. Uh, the Celtics have been really optimistic about his return from the very outset. Rob, very optimistic about uh, getting back out there on the floor. And, and again, he he's just such a game changer for them. I mean, he is such a game changer with his versatility, uh, his basketball IQ, the fact that he's communicating on a level that we had not seen prior to this season. Things align themselves in such a way where the Celtics look very much like a juggernaut when he's out there on the floor. 
And certainly what we've seen is a team that has adapted to not having one of your big guns available. But because they've been able to still find ways to win, it makes you think that when he does come back, they could be potentially even more dominant. So if you're Brooklyn, your thinking has to be, we need to get up on this series as quick as we can because if we get in a hole and we got to play catch-up, they got the closer. They got the closer who could be back by game six. And they don't want that smoke. Kevin Durant is, is in, Kevin Durant and Kyrie are two of the greatest players this game has ever seen. But Robert Williams is young. He's spry. He knows what the hell he's doing. And if he's healthy enough to play, he's balling out. He's going to be a problem. And my, my, our good friend BDB, Bruce Brown, I guarantee, I mean, hey, look, he goes, you let him try to get into that paint with Rob around and see what happens. It'd be, I mean, look, ping pong, bat app, right off the glass, right off the glass. Well, I feel like if, I think you have to save Robert from himself. Robert's not a durable guy, okay? Throughout his career, he has struggled with injuries. He has uh, not dealt great with playing in pain. Okay, so you have to take that into account. If you can bring him back and he's not risking his future, he's not playing on one leg, and you get him short spurts, I think it's okay to bring him back for a potential game six or who knows, that might be a game to close out the series or that's going to be a game to try to take it to seven. Um, so I don't, I'm not banking on seeing Robert Williams in this series. I just think it's going to be cautious with him now. I think the Milwaukee series is more like it. You'll get a break uh, after this series, I'm sure a couple of days, and then give him more healing time. You know, who knows what is going on in those workouts. It sounds like, you know, from all we hear and all that it's the talk is that he's responded well. He's running up and, you know, running, doing one-on-one things. He's, you know, who knows when he'll get to practice. Maybe he'll get to practice sometime in the week, next week or so or whatever. But I think if you can win without him, you don't throw him out there on one leg. This is your future. And this is a guy who has not dealt in the past. This is not Willis Reed. And look it up if you don't know the reference. This is not some dude who run, run out on run out on one leg run out on one leg and give you all he can. This is, this is, this is a, a guy who has not had a great history of dealing great with pain. Okay. And I, and, a, and he has played in pain. He just gets pained a lot. Okay. So I'm not going to say he saw, but I'm going to say he, he just not great. He's, he's had a, numerous injuries, especially with the lower extremities. So if I'm the Celtics, I make triple sure, quadruple sure he's ready you put him through one of those extensive workouts. If he makes it through where he's jumping and all that, because remember, let's look at other people. James Wiseman. Now they both tore the meniscus. Obviously Wiseman seems to be way more extensive, but he played a couple of G league games. They thought he was ready. He was supposed to help this year. Remember the Warriors like, Oh, when we get clay and Wiseman back and we're going to be unstoppable. Yeah. Well, it ain't worked with Wiseman. Wiseman's knee started swelling and they put him on a shelf for the year. So he's going to miss his whole season with a meniscus tear. Now, Roberts might have been a neater tear and a, a simple tear to, to repair. So it sounds like he got really lucky with the meniscus tear, but you don't want to throw him out there and suddenly he's got chronic knee issues. So 
be cautious if you're the Celtics. If he's ready, then he's ready. You know, we've we've seen people. We saw Rajon Rondo several years ago come back from a dislocated elbow. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's Rondo. Rondo's special guy in terms of dealing with pain. Like he don't feel things. But um, Robert Williams, different case. Be cautious if you can. If he if he's ready, the doctor's clear. If he says he's fine, put him out. Yeah. There. But other the, than that, yeah, take your time. I agree. On the opposite end of the floor, we have another person who hasn't played for a little bit longer for their team. I'm talking about Ben Simmons, who we haven't seen play a professional basketball game since June 20th of 2021. That's an interesting stat as well, Gary. But overall, there's still speculation that he could possibly return for the playoffs. He posted on Wednesday on his Instagram a picture of his sneakers and ESPN felt the need to post that on YouTube. So there's a lot of speculation. Do you think he'll make a big impact? That's the most important question. If he were to return for this team, considering he hasn't played in a while. Well, I do think the Nets are playing possum with this. No, whoa, we just have no idea. We don't yeah, know. Exactly. The Nets are not going to be like, oh yeah, he's playing too. Actually, like, he's they're, active, not, yeah. they're not going to do that. Right. Yeah. They're going to like suddenly day a game. One of the big news breakers is going to break that he's participating in shoot around and he's available. That's what's yep. going to happen. They're being, they're being very private about his uh, workouts, you know, but a back thing, I don't expect much from Ben Simmons. I don't, um, I don't make it, uh, you know, I don't make this, his presence there. I just think one, he hasn't played in seven months. This is the NBA. Okay. You cannot run out there after not playing in seven, eight months and just right. suddenly play 40 minutes, you're not I mean. doing that. Yeah. Don't work that way. Basketball game shape. Mm-hmm. Like that, you play eight minutes, then you play 12, then you play 16, then you might play 24. Like that's how it goes. Now, if the, the Nets were to, to win this series, would I say he'd come back in the next one? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But this series, not having played in seven months, no, you got to get guys got to get back in basketball shape, especially a guy coming off a back injury, especially a guy who fought with his mental health and his confidence. The last time we saw him on the floor, yeah. like he's not, I mean, you know, let's be honest. Can he hit free throws? What happens when the defense leaves him open for a 15 foot jumper? Like all that. This is not someone who just, who is, this is not Kevin Durant where, you knew when he stepped on the floor, he's going to get buckets. Ben ain't about buckets. Is Ben athletically ready to stop anyone defensively? Is he going to stop Tatum defensively? Like after seven months off the floor, that's asking a lot. So I don't put a lot of faith into this Ben Simmons thing. I just think um, that they're playing possum and that maybe he might return, but I don't think they have faith in him at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That the, the lack of faith that you touch on Gary uh, goes both ways, not only with the organization and Ben put in that position, but Ben being comfortable in that position. I just don't think he's ready to give them what they need. And if you're Brooklyn, you know, you, you got to ask yourself, are we investing in Ben Simmons for the moment? Or are we looking at this long-term? Because if you're looking at this as a quick fix, you throw him out there and you just let whatever happens, happens. But I, well, because of the length of his contract, because of to be candid, he ain't done squat. You don't risk putting him in a situation where he could do significant harm to himself and the team. 
Um, yeah. I worry about that for him. And we and we didn't even get into the whole mental aspect of it because mm-hmm. you, we know fans can be extremely cruel. And yeah. considering the fact that Ben ain't played a damn game all season, and you're going to throw him out there in the playoffs? Playoffs? In Boston? Against Boston? Come on. The Come most on notorious fans there are. Right. <laughs> he would, he, it, you're just asking him to do something that I just don't think he's ready to handle at this point. Yeah. No, those are really fair points. But what everyone's been waiting for is the end of season awards. We touched on it last week, but now is the time for you to make your pick. Are you ready? Cue the Let's music. go, Cornelupe. <laughs> Wait, you gotta let the music play first. All right, it's game time. And the first question, this is gonna be a rapid fire style tournament you have to say yes or no to the players and the potential awards that i am going to give them i guess now i'm part of it so (laughs) jason tatum do you give him the mvp award top five at least top five in voting yes or no top five yes mvp not happening having a good season but they having that good a season gary i voted i I voted tatum uh fifth uh for mvp okay do you mind sharing who your top four were? Yes, I better not be Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Stop it. Don't yeah, do that. I voted for him for comeback player of the year, most improved, defensive player of the year. <laughs> Carmelo on, my, on all my bats, all NBA, all defense. I even voted him rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I voted MB is my MVP. Okay. Um, I voted Jokic second, Anna Kupo third, Devin Booker fourth. Love it. Why? Why? Embiid, <laughs> shit. It was just a damn, not a hunch. You could, you could, it, it could be split into thirds. It really could. I mean, there's an argument for all three. I just thought playing by himself on that damn team in Philadelphia without a lot of help, with Harden up there drinking 40s and stuff in the office, you know, and, and on went on the night before games and partying with his peoples and, yeah. and all that, Harden not being in shape, you know, Matisse Thibel not vaccinated, yeah. uh, Ben Simmons gone, like, and being the team on, his, team back, on his damn shoulder. Yeah. And Embiid has done great things. Jokic, you could argue with him that 2,000, 1,000, or 1,500, 1,000 is amazing. Giannis has put up MVP numbers. There's no bad argument for either of the three. So I just took Embiid because I just felt like, one, it might be his time to win it. I just think he's he stayed healthy. Remember, I was always stay healthy. He stayed healthy. Okay, he stepped up. He's gotten out of his slumps. He's he's not he's not had any issues. He has carried that team on his back. And there's a lot of drama in Philadelphia. A lot of changes that might happen. if they lose in the first round to Toronto, so I got to give Embiid uh, my vote. And I'm kind of giving away who I think should be the defensive player of the year, but I think that same argument would go for Marcus Smart when people talk about the seasons that they've had, Joel Embiid and Marcus Smart, respectively. They've done a lot for their teams, but they've always had other people that just inched before them when talk about the winning the award itself. So Marcus Smart, that's the next question. Do you think he'll finally win the defensive player of the year this season? It's got to happen this year. If it doesn't happen this year, it's not going to happen. 
That's uh, how I, I think, feel about Embiid. I think, it, I think it will because it's so wide open, and you're going to have a push from Mikael Bridges. I know a lot of people are really pushing him in Phoenix. Uh, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to be in there. Rudy Gobert in the conversation. But to me, Marcus, he's the most impactful defender on the best team defensively. And what I think has hurt him more than anything else, to be candid with you, is Rob Williams. It's hard to ignore the impact that Rob Williams has had on the Celtics defense when he's out there with Marcus. And as great as Marcus is defensively, Robert Williams does a couple of things. He passes the eye test when you watch him play. And at the end of the night, you start going through all the different numbers that he posts and the analytics. He gets, he gets it done that way as well. So the time that Robert has been on the sideline has actually, I think, enhanced Marcus's chances of winning the award because if Robert Williams was still out on the floor, I think he would be at worst top three finisher. Uh, but Marcus, I think this is, I think Marcus has a, a good shot at actually getting it this year. I really do. Gary, yes or no? Yeah, I voted for Marcus. Yeah. Ime Udoka has been a big conversation when you talk about coach of the year. That's probably one of the tougher conversations this season. Do you have him as potentially winning that award? I don't. No. And I, for a couple of reasons. One, I think Memphis head coach uh, Taylor Jenkins has done a better, has done an incredible job with an incredibly young team that is the second best team in the Western Conference. Yeah. So, I, it's, it's, and, he, and he's done it for long stretches without his best player. So I, I would give him the edge. And to be candid with you, this is the award that if I were a coach, I would never want to win this damn award because <laughs> this is the kiss of death. You are going to be oh, fired damn near two to three years after you win this award. Uh, you So if I'm Ime, I'm good stacking these 50 wins every year and, and having someone else bring home that hardware because that hardware is one step closer to the unemployment line if you are an NBA head coach. I voted Monty Williams and I voted Taylor Jenkins and I voted Ime third. I think Monty, what, starting with the bubble, when they went undefeated in the bubble, and then last year when he made a push, this is the Phoenix Suns, folks. Like, this is the last time they've been to the finals before then was 1993 with Charles Barkley, yeah. Dan Marley. And when those Kwani guys. was born. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When Kwani was, like, Kwani was like three months old when they were in the last time. Hey, yeah, really. In the finals. In the finals. And, you know, Mary J, who was dropping her second and second album, whatever, <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, so and we was going to we was going to take our girlfriends and watch Menace of Society. Anyway, I do um, admire. Can I just say I admire it, your encyclopedic knowledge of what happened every year? Because I barely scary. remember what I did last week, but you're you're spot on with it. Just I'm a man of the 90s. I'll just, I'm a man yeah. of the 90s. I'll just say that the 90s was <laughs> I, was, I had a good time in the night. You remember the anyway, night. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting it in. All right. <laughs> I was getting it in the nineties. Anyway, um, so to me, uh, I voted for Monty as just a overall like I Taylor Jenkins, great choice. What he's done with Memphis this year, but the fact that Phoenix came on back, won sixty-five games, like set records, franchise records, like they like they ran it back. And they didn't take a step back. They took a step forward. They smashed fools. They run one without Chris Paul in the lineup for six a month. They won without Devin Booker. They have a system in place. They, this is the Phoenix Suns. I just don't people think you'll understand that. Like Phoenix has never really been 
this good. And they were for stretches, you know, when Barkley was there and a little bit before then, you know, they had good quality teams, but never as good as like, let's say the Lakers. Now they run in the West. That's yeah. coaching, that system. And what, what Monty Williams has been through in his life, losing his yeah. wife in that tragic car accident with five children, um, yeah. having to be, you know, raised like all of what is man of faith. Like you couldn't think of a perfect role model for how we can, yeah. should conduct our lives and how you come back from that. So yeah, he deserves it. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to put it on what he is able to overcome and, and, and what he's done given a second chance to coach. Remember it didn't work out in New Orleans because he had, right. you know, all, always injured AD and all that. It didn't, it didn't, they didn't give him a real long chance to really see it through in New Orleans. So coach of the year, Monty Williams. Okay. Finally, this was probably the longest rapid fire anyone has ever listened to, but it's okay. Cause I love that you guys explained why you picked the people that you did. Robert Williams, all NBA defense. Yes or no? No. He's going to, and I'm going to tell you why he's yeah. going to deserve, he should be there, but he's yeah. not going to get it because typically when guys are on the cusp of getting it for the first time, it's almost always a year deferred uh, because mm -hmm. the way that that team's going to be put together. If you're looking at centers, you're probably going to have Rudy Gobert and, and Bam Adebayo put picked ahead of him at the center position. And I, I think personally, he's had a better year than Gobert. I think Gobert, this might be this Gobert for me this year, way overrated. Typically, Utah is the top two, top three defense. This year, they barely cracked the top 10. Rob has been the ultimate difference maker uh, when he's been healthy on the best defense in NBA. So he should get one of the teams, but I think he's going to get shafted. I voted Robert's second team. Um, I think Adebayo, even though he missed time uh, with an injury, I think Adebayo just such a difference maker. He can guard one through, one through five. And he's done it, and he's proven it. Um, but, yeah, Robert deserved all defense, uh, first or second team. I think that he should be on any team. And, you know, now, do you want to compare him to Gobert? Gobert's won three in a row, or not three in a row, three defensive players of the year. Um, you know, the fact is they slip a lot when Gobert's out of the game. But Utah's also blown a lot of big leads. They kind of stumbled to the playoffs as a fifth seed. This is not – Last year, Utah was the number one seed. They were supposed to get to the final. This year, like it's starting to the it's starting to erode. You know, there are gonna be some major changes. And remember who is running things in Utah is Danny Ainge. And Danny Ainge. Hey, he's a consultant, Gary. Yeah. Right. Okay, sure, sure, sure he is. Uh <laughs> Danny Ainge does not sit on his hands and watch things happen. He is gonna figure out a way to move somebody. And, and bring his guys in there and try to change things up because Utah's running on a treadmill right now. So I had to, in as much as Gobert is a difference maker, I just think that the fact that they were the fifth seed, they stumbled, they blew a lot of huge leads. That Clippers series, he was exposed because they went small and they couldn't play him. Like, no. So I got Robert Williams on my second team, I believe. I think out of bio, and then I put through Giannis in the first team. I think Giannis is a plus great defender. But yeah. Robert Williams will see his day. And maybe next year will he be yeah. a legit defensive player to your candidate? Yeah. There Rob's we go. really good. Yeah. Rob's really good. Hopefully he comes back 
What about the other awards, Kwame? Most improved? That's all. We know. Rookie of the Year. You really want to go through all of them? Well, there's two more, Kwame. Well, (laughs) go for it. Who's your most improved? I didn't have any Celtics on there, so. No, they didn't. Yeah, you know. Grant is the most improved. Somebody might vote give Grant. I think Grant will get votes. I'm sure he'll get a few nods. Yeah. Yeah, Grant will get votes for that. I had Jordan Poole, the Golden State Warriors, um, you know, just uh, who's turned into an outstanding scorer, kind of the third guy, maybe him and Clay of that big trio, you know, or quartet. I just thought he has taken a major step forward. Um, and I had uh, second Anthony Simons from Portland. You know, he missed 26 games, but he has really taken a step forward. But yeah, those are my two most Im- improved. Um, and I think, and I, I think I had Tyler Hero as my sixth man, and uh, rookie of the year. I I took Scotty Barnes. See, uh, for most improved, I'm with you with Jordan Poole. I mean, adding Poole to the Splash Brothers can't go wrong with that. Oh, pun intended. That's not. Wait a minute. Is, like that, that. is that new? Why have not heard that before? Wow. Okay, continue. I'm. It's, it's, my that, that was yeah. That was. That, I, I was waiting for that. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, that was accidental. <laughs> right, right. He's like, I've been thinking about this. Oh, uh, yeah, I okay. knew. Okay, all yeah, right. I did. Yeah, me, I did that. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that live from half court. Oh, uh, whatever. Live from half court. <laughs> no, for uh, for for rookie of the year, I'm gonna go with Evan Mobley. I just think that when he was healthy, there was not a better rookie in the NBA. And Scotty Barnes a hell, had a hell of a year. Um, but I just think Evan Mobley was a little bit more impactful. And the last one, what was the other one? Uh, six yeah. man, yeah. yeah. Six man, it is. It's t- it's not even close. I don't think this year. I mean, Tyler oh. Hero. Well, I think he he led all six men in scoring average, twenty plus points a game. Yeah, and he, you know, he was, yeah. I I just think he he falls in line with what we've seen other great six man guys like Lou Williams, guys. You know, like like you know Jordan. You know, Jamal Crawford. Guys that come off the bench, but at the end of the night. They're on the floor when it matters most. He's been that guy for the Heat. Well, those are the awards. Congratulations to all our winners. We will be mailing you absolutely nothing. <laughs> Just wait for the real awards to come through. <laughs> and now, up next, we've got... <laughs> well, that's a wrap on the regular season. I'm looking forward to game one against the Nets. That's going to be at home for the Celtics on Sunday. So then we can recap that game and look forward to the rest of the season. I think that'll be a good benchmark as to how these teams look against each other. It's exciting. Playoffs Let's here. get it. <laughs> so before we wrap up, are there any updates you'd like to share with the class? No, no. We're no good. We're good. We're just excited and- about the playoffs. I just, yeah, I just want to get to the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's always some things cooking, but yeah, just focused on covering this team. Uh, Obviously, a very exciting time for Celtics fans. This could be the year they do something special, but there's a lot of obstacles in their way. Um, but I do think that they can play with any of the teams and reach the finals. I think they're capable. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap on the pod. Once again, a shout out to betonline.ag. That promo code is CLNS50. Use it. Bet on the Celtics. Bet on the Nets. See what you win. Let us know. I'm Kwani A. Lunas, A. Shirai Blakely, and Gary Washburn. This is the A-List Podcast. Come back next week for some playoff reactions. Playoffs? Playoffs? Playoffs?